Yeah. So, uh, so uh, you know, technically, uh, I I like um, you know, I'll, uh, for me, uh, I I'll work on I have them all come in, mix painting, you know, start it up, and then let it dry, and then have the same person maybe have multiple paintings work and I'm working on at once, then have another model, the same model come in the following week, and then when I go to the painting, it's pretty much dry, not all together, but dry enough that I can sand it down, abrade the surface so that when I oil it out, some of that oil is um, saturating into the layer, the next the underlying layer of paint, and then I can sort of build on that. Yeah. That sense. Yeah. What kind of substrate do you like to paint on? Like, is it always canvas, or do you like boards, or do you do aluminium, or that kind of thing? It really depends on the uh, on the painting, what you want to, how you want it to look. You know, right. scale too. I mean, like scale has so much to do with uh, where painting is going to be. You know, how you want it to present itself to the viewer. You know, how you want it to present itself to yourself. You know, you want it to, uh, you know, be a window that we that's very intimate. You know, or do you want it to be a, uh, you know, to sort of break the picture plane and explode to the viewer's eye. You know, so it, it, there's there's is all different, you know, it, it, it's it, everything really, I mean, there's, like, people sort of, like, I think people think that things have to be, like, one way, you know, that, yeah. that you know, you know, it, you know, I, you know, like, I only use canvas of this kind of canvas, or mm-hmm. I only use, you know, this kind of board because this kind of board is this, you know, and, and, and I think that really kind of limits your, your, your expressive, like, requirements, you know. You really want to be able to sort of like play with all kinds of things and make it work, um, you know. But at the same time, I think that craftsmanship and the you know the limitations of craftsmanship should be upheld, at least from my point of view. Uh, yeah. Some people break those limitations because they think that you know, feel that you know what needs to be expressed is 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 uh, kind of you know more important than 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 craft, you know. And there's always a balance between the two, I think, you know? Yeah. Always trying to find a, some kind of balance. I mean, like, you know, somebody like, um, um, well, I'm just trying to think of uh, a, a writer, you know, Albert Pinkerham Ryder. I don't know if you know, you know, his painting, he's an American, great American painter. Um, one of my favorite painter, American painters, actually. And he, um, uh, uh, he, he, he just was terrible with his craft. A little paper in Smithsonian, you know, on the, in uh, airtight vacuums because they're all falling apart, you know. But um, but he was just one of the most amazing painters in my mind. I mean, he just pure poetry, pure pure visual poetry, and you know the layer the layering of, of that he I mean, he would use like shoe polish for black, you know, or use other cleaner for medium, you know, <laughs> whatever whatever uh, whatever he had, he would throw into his painting, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, um, there you go. You know, I mean, I don't know. Everybody's different, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Vera Case in Portugal says, uh, Hi, John. I really love the work you're doing with this podcast. Could you please ask Steve if he has some advice about conveying strong emotions to the eyes? Anything from color advice or soft edges? I hope the two of you are well and in good health during these sad events. All right. <laughs> uh, 
but you know, uh, 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 the physiognomy of the face is uh, is uh, isn't just in the eyes. It's it's all, it's everything. You know, it's and 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 it's it's not just like the the muscles of the face. It's you know that create an expression. You know, or it's 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 the painting that creates an expression. You know, and 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 so um, you know. Uh, you know, to, to pinpoint one area of the face that, you know, like, you know, sort of like the, the adage, you know, the window, the, the eyes are the windows, the soul, you know. It's, um, it's kind of, you know, it's, 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 it's a cheesy thing, you know. It really is that, you know. The, the eyes are important because that's what it is that sort of like, you know, in a way presents, the, presents us to a person. You know, we look at each other's eyes and then we look at the hands, you know. Eyes and hands can, can have an important aspect to the picture, but but in context, with, you know, the painting as a totality is what matters. You know, it's how how the painting is a totality, um, you know, and, and its expression uh, relate to the expression of of, of 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 the figure that's being portrayed. You know, um, so if I look at like a Rubens, a great Rubens painting. There's all this activity, but I, you know, the eyes aren't particularly what I'm looking at or interested in. The eyes become more part of the, the context of the picture and expression of each individual represented. Um, when I look at, let's say, Velasquez, you know, there is something about what he does with an eye, uh, especially that painting of Juan de Ferreira at the Metropolitan Museum, which is one of the greatest paintings ever painted, in my opinion. It's uh, it's absolute absolute miracle of a painting, and it's uh, quite amazing. If you are here in New York, have a look at that painting. It's, uh, okay. That he did uh, uh, in preparation for his painting of Pope Innocent, you know, in Rome. He painted it in Rome of Juan de Pereira, who was his assistant, and uh, it's uh, 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 a painting of a young black man that's just the most amazing, most beautiful. I'm one in my mind. Like I always look. I had that picture embedded in my mind uh, because of what he does with the expression and what he does with an eye. His eye, that eye, is absolutely amazing. And there's nothing to it. It's like it's just so. It's like it's 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 not even there. It's like it's just a blob, you know. And yet it has yeah. an amazing painting. I mean, it's like an amazing eye. So this sort of disparity of, of 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 paint and disparity of um, of what he does, you know, and the miracle that he creates with that is um, and the miracle he makes in, in the gaze, you know, and how that eye looks at us is is, is is still a mystery to me. That's miraculous. Yeah. If you're thinking to yourself, God, I'm really enjoying this podcast. I've listened to a few now, and they're brilliant. And there's so many of them. And I've learned so much from listening to them. And you know what? If I met that John Dalton fellow in real life, I'd love to buy him a cup of tea and have a chat with him. I'd love to do that every month if I could. Well, now you can. The tea part, at least, because this podcast runs on cups of tea bought for me by people like you who listen to the podcast and send me the price of a cup of tea once a month through the Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash John Dalton, Gently Does It, all one word, 
And if you're one of those people who already send me cups of tea through Patreon, thanks a million. The tea is lovely, and I really appreciate it. Now, the great thing is that if you can't afford to send me the price of a cup of tea, or you don't want to, that's fine. You still get exactly the same podcast for free. It's sort of an honor system where the people who can afford it and want to pay for the people who can't or don't want to. So it's all lovely. So if you'd like to send me a cup of tea once a month, you can do that through Patreon. I'd really appreciate it. It makes a huge difference to me. Um, okay, this is a question from David Young. He says, love your work. Um, I'd like to know how you get the little white highlights on hair like the occasional stray hair in an all-black background. Thanks. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, so we're going from an eye to a hair. <laughs> right? yeah. uh, well, you know, hair is, uh, it has its own sort of, like, thing, too. You know, I mean, I, I, I people say, oh, your hair, you know, how you draw a pink hair, you know. Um, um, well, I mean, I, I think that for me, uh, the, the, the interesting thing about air is that it's an entirely different, like, like texture and form than the rest of our body. You know, I mean, our, 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 our bodies are pretty, pretty hairless generally as human beings. And, and yet, you know, and hair's kind of, kind of has, has, has the opposite of effect. So the idea of trying to get, get hair to be something else. Uh, again, skin is uh, can be a a, a, a a wonderful and beautiful kind of project to um, play with, um, and and and, uh, and 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 I think um, hair hair also has sort of a life of its own. Um, I'm trying to remember who the poet was that 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 wrote it. Was it Wallace Stevens who talked about? I can't remember now. Talks about like hair as, as if it was Sort of alive and, and, and separate from the, the, the being that it that it that it's part of, you know. And and I think that in many ways in my mind when I look or I try to draw, uh, or I think they're referring to my drawings where I might take a razor blade to scrape out, I use sandpaper sometimes to sand down even on a drawing. Um, that. Uh, um, it, it's not so much the particularity of, of, the, of the strand of hair as much as it is the expression that matters. Um, so I, so people say, well, how do you, how do you do that? You know, I say, well, how would you, how would you paint or draw, you know, leaves on a tree? You don't, you don't draw every leaf, you know, but first you look at the big masses, the big shapes, um, the way the light falls on the larger masses. And then all of the all of the detail is suggestion, you know. So it's it's what we do to suggest that matters, not not what we do to describe. So it's not description; it's suggestion of the particulars uh, uh, as it relate as they relate to the larger masses or larger forms. <clears throat> um, I mean, it's like you know, freaking Velasquez, you know, he's like it's all what he suggests. You know, it's all like what's suggested to the eye that, or a, an eye suggesting an eye, you know, <laughs> suggesting to the eye, you know, um, and, uh, and 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 so you know when you when you're drawing, don't get don't get too, you know, a painting. Don't worry about 
details so much. Think about, you know, what, what the, how the parts are, are, you know, are, are, are connected and part of the larger forms, you know. Think about, like, how, how forms are sort of, sort of evolved to the eye, you know, in a, in a, you know, um, from the, from the holes of the part. But also the whole can express something entirely different than the particulars. Um, but need to feel that they're part of each other. Um, so if you're drawing hair, painting hair, you know, I, I, I honestly, like, I'll use a big brush to suggest a lot of the detail of, of, of one strand or another. So using a big brush is really, you know, don't use like little tiny brushes to make paint little individual areas, you know. We don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Sam Massey in Australia says, Hi, Stephen. Sadly, I've not had the chance to see your work in person. I'm curious about the thickness of paint in your highlights. Has this feature of your work developed out of an enjoyment of playing with paint, or do you find it serves a particular purpose beyond adding texture that cannot be achieved otherwise? In other words, how to build impasto? Is that the question? I think he's curious about if it is that thick, number one, because he hasn't seen them in person, and then, yeah, about how to build it and, and why. Which I think you've kind of covered, but that doesn't else you well, I think I covered some of that already. Yeah. That um, building uh, opacity, uh, building the light masses, you know, is what we kind of like want the the you know to advance to the eye, yeah. and uh, keeping shadows like more transparent, you know, uh, allowing the eye to sort of see through those areas. So so the the the, the play with that can can you know juxtapositioning of of you know, what's thin, what's thick, can, can um, represent space. Um, depth, depth, you know, how we think about depth. And again, you know, like, you know, a lot of a lot of us now, you know, we can't even go to the museums right now, you know, uh, to look at painting. Uh, people aren't really, I mean, I guess people are selling paintings over the internet, but um, really to look at, to look at it, you, I mean, I, I think that a painting has, is like looking at a human being, you know. It should, you have to see it in person, you know. Uh, you have to experience, really experience, have an experience. You have to be there, you know. And so it's unfortunate that, that, that people are sort of acclimated to the, like thinking about how a picture looks um, online as opposed to how a picture looks, um, you know. Um, yeah, so. Okay. Um, Anne-Marie um, Tiso um, asks, in your multi-figure pieces like Passengers, how do you achieve a unified light logic? Do you ever have all the models posed at once to observe light and dark patterns? Do you use maquettes? Or have you mastered the ability to conceptualize light on any complex form? So, yeah, you've covered a lot of this, but, yeah, is there anything else you want to say about that? Okay talked a little bit about that already um uh but i think that the, the more experienced you become the the more knowledge that you sort of like visual understanding that you develop um you begin to sort of like you can sort of orchestrate things a little better you know like like um you know i i, I know that when i was younger I, I i you know i felt like it was very difficult for me to 
do a multi-figure composition because I, again, like I do all these preparation drawings and try to put them together, scale them up, and then um, have sometimes models close together, but mostly separate. Uh, couldn't afford, couldn't have, I had mostly like friends and people sometimes hire models, but, but um, sometimes even use yourself as a model. You know, so the limitations uh, uh, that one has uh one has to sort of figure out how to make use of but um you know knowing how light functions you know like understanding light uh understanding uh uh you know what kind of light something is like i tell my students that when you're looking first thing you want to you know do is respond to your subject you know think about how 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 you feel and how it feels to you you know what what is the what is the you know, what is the at, the overall atmosphere, that the feeling, the smell, the taste of where you are, the moment that you're, you know, the, the, the feeling of the moment, you know. And uh, uh, much of that is, uh, is, uh, is, is, is the result of light. Uh, even the way a room kind of something can taste, you know, color as a flavor the way it tastes, the way it smells, the way it permeates the air is, is the way light enters into the room or, and, and reflects back to the eye. So the, this sort of um, idea that um, I remember as a kid, you know, like thinking about color, like what I remember as a kid trying to, you know, we had these corn poppers and I, and, and I, re, I remember like, like looking at the colors inside of a corn popper and wanting to eat them. You know, <laughs> and it was like my my mother had to stop me from breaking open the corn popper on side concrete stairs, like smashing the corn popper to try to open it up to eat the balls of the colors. <laughs> and, and so candy, when we're children, you know, has a color and a flavor. You know, so color has this sort of it, you know, the sensory, you know, tactile sensory quality to it. You know, that makes provides a flavor. You know. And so light is a, has a flavor, you know, if you think about it that way. It enters the room, creates an atmosphere, makes you feel something, you know, and responds to that feeling, you know. And, and so the, the more you, you respond, you know, the more you become emotional to that response, the more you understand what that is. Yeah. You know, the more you understand what light is, what it, how it can make space, what it can feel like what it can do for a face painting, you know? So what, what it, so it's not just technical, you see. What, what is technical is, is, is an extension of, of what we, our expressive need is, you know? It's not, it's not, there's no one technique, you know, it, it depends on what we do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Tamia Alston Ward in Philadelphia says, I've been loving the imaginative ink drawings you've been doing. What goes through your mind when doing something more abstract from imagination versus something like a head constructed from memory? Versus something of a head constructed from memory? Uh, what is, I'm sure I understand the question. In other words, something that's purely imaginative as opposed to something yeah, so. observed or something that is... Uh, yeah, I, she doesn't say observe, but I think that's what she means. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I I think that one of the things that I I I've come to understand is that everything 
even what we do from our imagination is no really no different than what we do from life. No. Everything that we do from memory in many ways is really no different than what we do from our imagination or from life, from observe, observation. Because everything that we are is everything that we we are. Does <laughs> that make any sense? I don't know. Because you know what what we what you what you when we look at the world, you know, we're looking at the world through memory and through imagination. And when we're drawing from our imagination, we're using what we know from our observation. You know. Uh, so the, 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 everything that, everything is everything, you know, um, nothing is just one thing, you know. So I like to think about, um, uh, um, drawing from my, using purely my imagination, um, because it, it kind of like, kind of like finds, it kind of like comes at, sometimes can come out of a place that is totally unexpected. And uh, it can sort of like, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not constructing uh, or fabricating or um, particularizing a, a setting. Uh, I'm, I'm just sort of like, just sort of coming out the way it comes out. And and and, and in many ways that can influence, uh, you know, a, 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 a more constructed um, uh, composition. Because you're allowing your imagination to sort of play into the process of, um, of, of, of what becomes conscious. So, like, you know, the, the play of, of, of the sort of like what we do that is, uh, in other words, I had, I had an interesting crit the other day with a student. You know, some artists, um, like, you know, more often than not, and I do this more often than not, is you start with sort of a, a construction, a grid, uh, a design. You know, a, a feeling for like the 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 the, the architecture, or the the armature of a picture. You know, might be something that we start with, and then as we move forward on a painting, um, the improvisational aspects of the picture sort of like evolve on top of the architecture or the construction. And so you want that sort of underlying architecture to hold together and to maintain itself. Um, in combination with the improvisational aspect of, of, of the painting, um, and, but but sometimes the opposite could happen, and I think that that I'm kind of playing with that. And, and one of my students too is sort of doing the same thing, but where where when you when you're just sort of like allowing the the your imagination to kind of be free flowing, then then the opposite could sort of be true that you you you. Um, so this one student, for example, like that I had, I, 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 um, helping him along, um, <clears throat> was drawing, doing a lot of these drawings and painting, you know, these sort of like initial sketches from imagination. But then I suggested to him, well, why don't you uh, formalize it? In other words, like take that and make a sculpture from it and really like consciously try to just mimic and duplicate what came out of a very, um, um, you know, unconscious motive, you know, and, and, and kind of give it, give it form, you know, give it, make it, you know, solid, 
And so he's, you know, making a sculpture from something that was entirely imaginary. And then, and, and, and then go, then, then from that, just make your painting, you know, uh, which is sort of the opposite, you know. Um, and I think that I'm finding some of that in my, in my own sort of process now. I'm trying to think, well, maybe this could be an interesting way to uh, conjure up something. Um, and, uh, uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but, um, <laughs> does it make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I, I do like to uh, uh, just draw. So I think that drawing is, uh, I mean, for me, I, I, I don't know. I think that, that I, you know, drawing is everything. Drawing is, is, is the beginning of everything for me. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. Don Ryan says, while doing your art, at what point do you break from the reality with the model in, in brackets and embrace the concept to accomplish the end? Okay. Uh, well, we're talking about like imagination and uh, uh, observation. Um, I think that in order to, um, I just wanted to make this point also kind of, kind of connected to both questions that um, having the ability to draw from one's imagination, one must also possess the skills and knowledge that it takes through observation. In other words, that, you know, developing your ability, your perceptual ability to draw from observation uh, is what allows you to convincingly portray something from your imagination. Yeah. Um, you know. So you have to have sort of like, you know, you have to have, you know, some stuff under your belt, you know, ready at hand to make use of. So, for example, if you're using like a cross contour technique or like a drawing cross action, cross contour, you, you have to know like how form moves and sways and, you know, squeezes and pushes, and how light falls on an object and so forth. Have some, some idea for that in order to conjure something up from your, your imagination and make it in some way realized uh, or believable uh, if that's what you want. Um, and, uh, and and so, like, for me, uh, painting from life or painting from observation uh, is um, uh, important, but it's not the overriding importance. You know, the, 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 the most important thing, because this painting from life, painting from observation, is important to me because it because of what it signifies. It signifies um, for me uh, a process that's deeply connected to the moment, to the experience, and uh, and it is important for me for that experience to become in many ways a relic or a, a something that that an imprint of of, of that as an experience. Um, but but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is how, for me, how 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 the totality of a picture comes together, and how it reads um, as sort of a, 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 how it how it's uh, um, how should I say this? it has its own language. It has its own law. It it it's it's um, it, it 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 makes sense to itself. 
you know. So it, so all the all of the parts have to be in unison with the whole, but at the same time, all the parts have to be interesting enough and varied enough to be able to look at them. Um, and uh, and so ob- observing is important because it can allow us the tools to be able to get to some of that. Um, and uh, the same thing with observing. I mean, nature. You know, nature is is amazing because nature um, nature has its own you know it, 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 its own laws. You know, and I forget the quote, but I remember hearing reading something says of painting. Painting doesn't copy nature, but it uses the laws or the the the, 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 the um, painting. We don't copy nature. You know, but we use the 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 the, the construction the constructed ideas that nature provides us in order to make picture or to make make art. You know, that was it. Isn't Degas that said that we can't breathe the air of the old masters painting? You know, or we can't breathe the air in, in painting. You know, that it's unbreathable. Um, and what he means by that is that there's that nature is the air that we breathe is not the air of a painting. Yeah. No. But that, that a painting can has its own air, you know, it has its own laws, its own you know. and and so finding that, you know, is 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 is, is the important thing. So if, if that makes any sense, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tom Morrison in Canada says, I was wondering where you learned your storytelling ability from. The level of narrative in your painting is just incredible. In my opinion, in my opinion, paintings like yours are the work that stand the test of time. Very kind. <laughs> thank you. I don't know if that's true, but thank you. Uh, um, uh, and what was the question? Uh, I was wondering where you learned your storytelling ability from. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm very good at storytelling, honestly. Like I, um, I think that, um, well, I mean, like people sometimes say, like, what makes, uh, what makes illustration illustration and what makes painting painting or art art? And, uh, I mean, sometimes it's a gray line. Sometimes it's very difficult to discern what, what's, you know, but I think that the function, or at least if I did some illustration, you know, uh, years ago, and I, 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 I think that the function of illustration is in many ways to convey the idea to the viewer in a very immediate way. And the immediacy of conveying a narrative uh, is, is important in illustration because it has, to, it has to grab the viewer right away and it has to let go of the viewer right away. Does that make sense? Yeah. In other words, to make it to make it understood, it has to grab, hold the group. Like if you're advertising something, right? Yeah. You know, it has to it has to grab the attention of the viewer. Yeah. You know, it has to make itself understood very quickly and clearly, and then and then the viewer has to move on. You know, it lets yeah. the go very quickly, right? Yeah. And there's a, there's kind of an art in that. You know, there's like an art in in do, just in doing that. You know, in grabbing the viewer's attention. You know, making the narrative or you know what it is that the artist is trying to say. You know, like very immediate. You know, yeah. and, and and then you know and then then 
than dispersing it, you know, and letting them and letting the viewer go immediately. And I think that in in many ways, like painting or art, is the opposite to that in the sense that it, it's very hard for the viewer to enter into a picture. You know, yeah, it it, it takes effort from the viewer to to look at painting, right? Takes effort, you know, and and then but once you're in it, then you have to come back to it. You have to come back to it. You have to come back to it. Yeah. And and that and the meaning is something that evolves gradually to the eyes and to the viewer. It's not something that immediate to the viewer's minds are. Yeah. So the sort of um, evolving uh, understanding is, uh, is, 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 to me, is deeply connected to the way a story is, is related or told. You know, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not, it's not so clear. You know, it can be, it can have a layers and levels and be more, uh, be more, um, uh, confusing. I don't want to say confusing, but it, but it could have, um, more questions than answers. Uh, uh what is this that Picasso once said that I, I, uh, despise or I hate computers because all they can do is provide answers? You know. So, yeah. so, uh, so a, a painting has to be has to provide in many ways questions to the viewer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that's 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 what um, narrative uh, in many ways can do. I mean, painting can do that too, but it's the, it's the interrelationship between uh, the paint, the materiality, and 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 the uh, and and a story it could be a story, you know, as well. Just that alone. Um, I mean, when I was younger, I thought of narrative as being very prescriptive um, and, uh, you know, where, in other words, that, you know, the way the painting sort of, like, set up, you know, from sketches to building it up, gradual sort of development, you know, that's very systematic. That narrative, too, had sort of a systematic uh, evolution and how you wanted to say something, how you created symbols, how you thought about, you know, the iconography of the picture and, that, that everything sort of like has, can have, or at least for me when I was younger, thought about things as very clear, specific connotations and yeah. as, as symbols. And so everything had sort of a, a meaning, you know, that was, you know, clear in its intent, even though, you know, narrative might have been a little bit hard to understand, still the, 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 the significance of, 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 of one thing to another, uh, you know, in my mind, it was, you know, it meant this, this meant that, you know, and and I think that as 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 I've gotten older, I I, I and more perplexed by um by what things mean. Uh, I think that there's more more that we can do with um narrative in the sense that it becomes less prescriptive and more uh, interpretive, you know, so interp- interpretive narrative. Uh, can be uh, um, uh, more about like you know what a picture can mean, not necessarily can mean because that's what it's saying as much as it is what it can mean you know in a way to to you might mean something entirely different to somebody else might mean entirely something different to somebody else. So that sort of um, interpretive aspect uh, to narrative. Uh, in many ways, can be 
in my mind, more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's sort of the hallmark of really good art, is that there's enough space for the viewer to make their own story. Yeah. Or, or own it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a combination of, 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 of all things, you know. But I think that opening that up, leaving, uh, in other words, like, like leaving a picture open uh, to interpretation is, uh, is just the opposite of what illustration does in many ways, you know. Because illustration yeah. is, is like it, it closes the door right away. You know, it, it wants, and like I said, I think that there's, a, there's a little bit of a, an art in that. You know, yeah. there's, there's an art in doing that. You know, I mean, in a way, you know, I mean, I think that there's art in illustration and a lot of illustration I love. I mean, I, 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 I love especially like the old English illustrators, you know, like, uh, Beardsley and, uh, Rackham and all that stuff. I love that stuff, you know. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's, uh, it, it, you know, everybody's different. Everything's different. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay. Julie Garfield in New York says, yeah, this is, these are a few questions now about, about specific paintings. So Julie says, the painting of your father on his deathbed with your mother sitting by his side, did you have the presence of mind to actually draw this while your father was lying there? Uh, did you paint it from memory or did you photograph it? Yes, all of the above. Um, I, uh, 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 um, I think that, like, for me, uh, I mean, I didn't actually paint the painting until like a year, year later after my dad passed. Right. Um, uh, and I, I mean, I, I, and I, and when my mom passed also, I, it took me a year, maybe even two years before I could make painting of her. Yeah. Again, you know, the way I painted my mom, uh, on her hospital bed. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, whether we're painting using, I mean, I had a very bad snapshot that I took of my mom and dad together in their last moments together. And I also had, uh, and then after my dad passed, I did um, a uh, uh, a drawing of him. And uh, uh, I remember we were waiting for the coroner to come and I couldn't talk to anybody. And uh, my at that time, my son Jacob was very little, and he was with me. And uh, um, Jacob was like standing by the window while my, you know, I was sitting there drawing my father, and he was looking out the window. He was maybe about a two years, maybe a year and a half old. And uh, and I did a sketch of my dad, and then I did a little sketch of my son, um, and uh, a little just a rough. But then the drawing of my father, I really took my time on. Uh, and we were waiting kind of for the coroner to come, you know. And then the police came with the coroner, and I just kept drawing, and I didn't talk to anybody. I like, I was just so involved in like what I had to do, and it was my way of, of um, kind of, you know, dealing or not dealing with the situation. Uh, and then when I set out to do the painting uh, a year later. I I worked out. I had originally had my little my young son in the background looking out the window, and he had this sort of like moppy, curly, blonde hair, kind of kind of looked like a rug, <laughs> and, and, and he was like at the window. And then I and then it just didn't work for the painting, and I took him out, but I I needed to leave his presence there. 
so the window is slightly open. And even though I painted him out, um, I, I still feel I still wanted the feeling of his presence yeah. there, you know. Uh, and 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 so the painting was painted really largely from memory, uh, using a, a snapshot, which was only about maybe you know a small little photograph. Um, uh, and uh, and I wanted the effect of, of melodrama, even though melodrama is, you know, usually typically not something we 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 aspire towards, but but that idea of like like really overtly like being emotive, you know, like really being in the viewer's eye with the emotions. Yeah, um, it's just so antithetical to um, to what you know is kind of prescribed by our modern outlook or our contemporary outlook that, you know, emotion is something that, you know, you can't wear your emotions on your sleeve, you know, you, you know, you have to be more, you know, ironic, you know, or something, you know, and, and it's just like, I just wanted the complete opposite of that. Yeah. 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 And so, um, uh, and so the, the, the painting was, uh, uh, made, uh, you know, little by little, but but really, what I wanted to do was like conjure up the effect and the memory of what, like, really bringing to my mind as I was painting that, what the room smelled like. You know, the staleness in the air, the curtains in the background, how, how they were sort of like the, the monotony of looking at those curtains behind my dad. You know, the the the, the feeling of, of nausea that I felt. You know, yeah. the feeling of, 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 you know, my mom just suddenly being horrified by it. You know, my mom was peeling an orange before my dad died, not thinking that anything was wrong. Yeah. And, you know, when I came into the room, I said, Mom, Dad's not breathing well. You know, don't you see cancer? And my dad passed away maybe, you know, within five minutes, you know, when I got yeah. there. You know, like he was hanging on, waiting for me, you know, to, to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's funny because it's the opposite when my mom passed away. Like, I, I flew in from California, and my mom was in the hospital, and I stayed with my mom, like, one night after another, after another. Like, just, just was there at the bed, like, day after day. And then in my eyes, I had a problem with my eye, like, the, the irritation that I got. It was starting to burn and really hurting. And uh, and I left my mom. My son took me to went with my son to an eye doctor. I had to leave to go to an eye doctor because so got so bad. And that's when I was sitting in the eye doctor's office. That's when my mom passed away. Right. Yeah. It was like she was waiting for me to leave. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just the opposite, and it's just the experience of of um, of uh, of that uh, had a lot to do with the way I made my painting. Yeah, you know, and how to how to remember it, how to feel it, and how to make it like yours. You know, I, I try to make it mine. You know, what it meant, you know what that was. You know, but but at the same time, it wasn't just that. I was trying to sort of get at uh, other things as well. Yeah, trying to anyway. Trying, I guess. Yeah. Um, Anastasia CF in Texas. Says, hello, Steve. What's the story behind the very pregnant lady? Uh, which one? Um, well, I, she doesn't say, so pick one. 
whichever one's the better story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, Venus uh, that I painted, uh, she uh, is part of that. Uh, Venus is an awesome model and a really uh, great person and, and unique individual. Um, uh, I think she's the one with the tattoos. I think she's referring to the painting of Venus wearing, you know, having the scarification on her uh, chest and the tattoos on her arm. Uh, I remember she had tattoos on one side of her, one arm of Rainbow Bright and uh, the other arm of Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, I remember those images. Um, and so, uh, with you know, with she, and she, Venus is uh, modeling for me for other things as well. This time, along with uh, a number of uh, in the late '90s, early 2000s, you know, the, the whole sort of club kid scene that evolved. Um, uh, and, and so she. She, she she made like you know a lot of a lot of those guys they would they would like a lot of the you know uh, um, you know their dress and their look was was part of like what they made you know just what what they created you know like yeah. like you know it, it was a personification that that they made for themselves you know it's not something that I made up and and made a painting of you know Venus looked like that that's what she was. You know, she had, she made that headdress. Um, you know, those are her tattoos. Those, you know, the design of her scarification is hers. So, and, and so that, that, that kind of became important to me um, in, in, in painting that painting and painting others, you know, uh, as well. Because it, 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 it became a, 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 an, a, in many ways an assumption of, of power, an assumption of of, of presence and assumption of of putting on a, a kind of you know again presentation that um, like like almost like you know body armor you know the way um, the way you know like you know you know in ancient days people put makeup on their face you know as a, as a symbolic of strength and power uh, and and so so you know this sort of like presentation of Venus, like, it, to me, on the outside, is very powerful and very representative of, of, of a very outward outlook, you know, and, and representative of someone who's, like, you know, in control. Uh, and, and then I painted the belly like an egg, and I wanted the belly to feel just the opposite, like something very fragile. Um, and uh, and so the 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 idea of kind of fragility in association with um, or at least the un- underlying fragility and underlying uh, uncertainty uh, in in combination with uh, sort of an outward um, presentation of power yeah. to be represented in some way, you know. Yeah. And uh, she also asks, and what's the story behind the bride covering her face? Why her parents seem so indifferent? I'm dying to know. You're a huge inspiration. I can feel your lights in the fullness of their texture, even through Instagram posts. <laughs> That's so nice. <laughs> so she wants to know about the bride covering her face and what's going on with the parents. Well, those are my parents. 
that I painted. They posed for me. Uh, I think that painting was painted in 1994. Uh, and uh, at the time, I, uh, uh, you know, the, I mean, I've kind of gone back to that subject of the bride again. Um, but the bride is, uh, for me, uh, 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 an interesting uh, metaphor. I mean, it, it, it has its, uh, you know, there's a lineage to painting, the painting of, of, of brides uh, to um, even the, Ar- goes back to the Ben Ike, the Ar- Arnolfini wedding. Arnolfini Ar- Ar- wedding. I don't know if you know the famous painting by Ben Ike. Uh, and, um, yeah. and kind of how the uh, the groom and the bride are are portrayed in a certain way, and um, uh, the the representation of the bride as a metaphor, and uh, especially in uh, uh, you know our European heritage, uh, at least uh, we could say our our um, Western European you know lineage uh, is uh, is one that sort of comes from you know the one of the parables uh, in the New Testament, or at least it's sort of like the metaphor, you know, is, is, is linked to that parable of the um, um, bride, brides or the, the virgins waiting for the groom. Uh, uh, and uh, the groom, of course, is, is the return of the, of the Messiah uh, and to be prepared and be in preparation for the return of uh, the Messiah, uh, the Messiah being like waiting, waiting for God or waiting for Godot, you know, at least in Beckett, Godot, God never comes, but um, this sort of idea of, of being in waiting is um, is an interesting symbol. But also the bride as a symbol of, um, of, uh, of sort of like, um, how should I say this, like in many ways a bride is like this uh, representation <laughs> Of of, um, of of flesh, you know, of, of, of who we are, that that is uh, waiting for the spirit, uh, waiting for death, you know, and uh, and so the return or the coming of the spirit, you know, is um, uh, something that we 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 wait for, you know, we're waiting on, and. Uh, um, and so the veil of the bride, the veil of covering the face, the veil is something that we see through dimly. You know, that we see the other the other side through a veil. It, we, we don't we don't see it clearly, but we can intimate it, its presence through the veil, the bride's veil. And and so um that that idea of um of um kind of a personification of the flesh and the spirit, you know, in many ways is represented to me through the vehicle of the bride. And then in conjunction with my parents, it was their preparation, or actually my preparation, for for their passing. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it was the idea that, you know, how we all feel, you know, when we, you know, when we're, you know, no matter how old we are, you know, we, you know, we know sooner or later we're going to become orphans, you know. Yeah, and uh, and that 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 emotion, you know, what that what that is, you know, I mean, like, what is the greatest hope that any of us could have is 
You know, I mean, if there is hope, then what is that? What is the hope that we all have? But to, well, but to be together, you know, one day, right? Like, there's nothing more that we can hope for. I don't think. I mean, it's not about, you know, I, I, I mean, like, we, we hope, you know, many people hope for fame in the world, you know, now, or hope for, you know, uh, money or hope for what, but, but, but really those things are, are transient, you know, but the hope for the eternal, you know, is, um, in my, you know, it, it is, is quite, I think it's connected to, to, to painting. I think that painting itself, all art itself is connected to that, to that yearning, to the yearning for the eternal. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right, well, <laughs> these next questions are, <laughs> they're not deep at all. Uh, Dan Phillips says, I love your work, Stephen. Who's your favorite dead artist and why? <laughs> That's like asking, uh, uh, what, what's your favorite food? Yeah. What's your favorite piece of music, you know? Yeah, uh, you there's know, loads, there's loads of quite a few questions like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it depends on when, you know, like, if, like I just saw, we had at the Met show Delacroix. When I went to see that show, Delacroix was my favorite artist, you know. <laughs> you know, but, you know, I mean, like, like you know, it's when, it's what, what, uh, what, uh, you know, when you're, like, sometimes I, you know, sometimes I want to have a meal. Sometimes I just want to have McDonald's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I want to have, you know, a big juicy steak. But, you know, sometimes you just want to have, sometimes you just want to look at art that's just like, you know, or listen to music. That that's not so profound, or so that, that's not yeah. going to go the head, you know. Somebody yeah, just yeah. want that, you know. So it's all I enjoy. I can enjoy all kinds of art, all kinds of painting. Yeah, I can enjoy all kinds of music. I think the difference is that sometimes, like, I can be more critical. Unfortunately, I think that as artists, you know, I think if, you're, if I was a composer. You know, I would probably, you know, you look at music and immediately you look at the construction of music, you know, and, and then it's like, instead of hearing it, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I the know. nice thing about, at least for me, I could listen to music and not have to, like, first look at the construction of it. I can just sort of appreciate it, you know, enjoy it and let right. it go on me, you know? Yeah. And in many ways, that's sort of like, uh, it's hard to do with painting because, like, you, we immediately look at it for, it's, you know, like, what is it doing? How is it made? You know, what, you know, <laughs> sometimes yeah. you, you're just enjoying it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also asks, who's your favorite living artist and why? Oh, same, same thing, same answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Trevor Rush says, if you could have a beer with one old master, which would you choose and why? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a, a naive question too, but I like it. Um, because I think that if, I think for me, it would be Velasquez for my own personal reasons. Okay. Now, uh, <laughs> not necessarily because I would ask him like what medium he's using or what, uh, you know, or any of that, but. But I, I think you strike me as a beer drinker, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not really a <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I think the Velasquez would be. I think Velasquez is such a mysterious. I mean, I don't know. As a person, I think that Rembrandt was like in many ways like makes very mysterious paintings. But 
but somehow I think of Rembrandt as being very straightforward as a person. I maybe I'm highly wrong. Who the hell yeah. knows? You know. Yeah, yeah. But 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 um, but there's something about like Spanish uh, mysticism that that uh, really uh, intrigues me. You know, and maybe it has to do because I'm um, on my dad's side. Uh, we're Sephardic Jews on my dad's side um, from Spain and Portugal. You know, originally, and then uh, my my family moved after the war, you know, the Inquisition and everything else. They went to um, Salonica, uh, uh, and, you know, a lot of my heritage is from there as well, from, you know, from Spain and, and then there. And then on my mom's side, we're Italian. So I, I, I kind of, uh, when I, in a, in a recent trip that I, well, not that recent, but a few years back, I uh, did a workshop in, in Spain and uh, went to the Prado. And, uh, uh, and, uh, seeing the, uh, Las Niñas again was like really, I mean, it really kind of, as an older artist, I've seen it when I was much younger, but as an older artist, I looked at it and I could see, it's like I, I like I saw my father in Velasquez's silk portrait. Right. You know, like I saw my father's face there. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, it was kind of, which I, I, you know, in reproduction, I you don't know, pay much attention to Velasquez in the painting, but, um, but, uh, but it was something that, like, it, there's something about it. I mean, it's, it's probably all in my head, but there was just something that that made me feel like, you know, I would check, I would like to know him. We'd like yeah. to know. I would like to know if he's like anything like my dad. <laughs> oh, okay. At what sort of age, Velasquez, would you like to meet? You know, young. Middle-aged, older. Well, he didn't live very long. I was going to say, I don't, I'm not sure. I can't remember how he, when he died, but you know, yeah. So you know, I mean, the young Velasquez, I think, is probably. I mean, it, I think he was a prodigy. If you look at his early his work, as a young teenager is quite amazing. With that much, like, you know, instruction. Um, you know, I mean, he. There's a lot of mystery around Velasquez that, I mean, around that whole period, really, of, you know, because we think of the Spanish as being, like, realists, but they're actually more, like, mystics, you know. There's something, um, I mean, I think Spanish tradition sort of has that element of surrealism and mysticism, you know. Um, you know, literature, you know, from, you know, we think of, um, you know, Calderon or, Cervantes, you know, that this certain kind of like idea of the dream, the dream world and the real world being sort of interconnected. So, like what's real, what's not real. Yeah. What's reality, the questioning of reality. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, Miguel Escobar says, asks, which painters do you have in mind during Corona times? That's an interesting question. Uh, uh, <laughs> somebody posted a few funny images of Hopper, like you know they were playing around with like Hopper's paintings, and it almost seems as if like you know like if you took a Hopper painting, it would represent any Hopper painting and sort of represent our times right now. You know? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also a, a, a painting that. Uh, Antonio Lopez Garcia did of uh, uh, Street of Madrid, but there's like no people in it. 
you know, I don't know if you know that painting by Antonio Lopez Garcia. Not specifically now, I don't know. And that, that kind of strikes me as a, as a, as a kind of an existential statement of, you know, something that, that's sort of like frozen in time. I mean, there's something about, uh, about, um, about our, uh, our, our, our moment right now that sort of changes time. You know, I mean, it kind of like messes with our perception of time. Um, at least for me, I don't know. I mean, it, I think it it, 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 for some people, I think that time goes by really fast. For some people, it goes by really slow. Um, for some people, it's, there's, um, uh, you know, there's sort of like, I don't know what day it is. Like for me, I don't know what day it is. I forgot what day it is. <laughs> you know, our hours are all screwed up when we go to sleep. Yeah. Up. You know, our, our sense of routine has changed. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's sort of a, a, a strange, uh, um, uh, you know, kind of a strange, like, it's almost as if, like, time has stopped, you know? Yeah. You know, it's uh, very odd. I mean, it's kind of stopped for the whole world. Um, yeah. 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 Well, it's certainly an invitation to come into the moment. Yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah, and also, the, but, you know, it's, it's, it's like a blur. You know, it's like everybody's in this fog, you know? And, uh, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, and I think that it's done something. I mean, I do think, I mean, like, you know, like what's going on right now with, you know, um, you know, the, the, you know, I mean, I think that there's, you know, there's an element of, of, um, that we're being, that we're able to sort of like see and recognize, you know, the, the evil, you know, that exists in prejudice and the evil that exists, you know, in, in this world, you know, that people perpetrate, you know, and, 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 and I think the technology has allowed us to sort of like see, I mean, it's always been there, but, you know, having cell phones now, you know, firsthand, like now we're, we're seeing, you know, like what power can do, you know, what, what corruption can do. And, um, when it's always been there, uh, but I think that because we're seeing it, and because we're experiencing it, like, by virtue of the media, uh, I think it's, like, messing with our heads, too, you know, in, in some way. And I think that we, we as, as, as a society, we really have to come to grips with, um, you know, our own individual moral significance. You know, we, ha- we, have to, we have to start with ourselves and really look at ourselves, you know, not others so much, but really look into ourselves. Yeah. And I think that having being in quarantine can can allow for that introspection, you know, yeah. can allow for that, you know, like be able to sort of say, well, you know, like what can I do to make things better? What can I? How can I change? What can I do to like make myself better? You know, what can I yeah. do? What? And so, so this time of of of, of quarantine, I think, could be a positive thing, hopefully. Yeah. Um, Scott Alston in New York uh, says, thanks to both of you for taking the time to share this interview with the world of socially isolated artists. Stephen, do you have thoughts on the best role for figurative artists during times of social unrest, such as we're seeing in America now? I just answered that. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Anything you want to add to it? Uh, 
Repeat the question again. Let me see if I can. I'm sorry. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the best role for figurative artists during social during times of social unrest, such as we're seeing in America now? Uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of our American realism, I could say, comes is an extension of social realism. Really, you know, like so the social realists in this country. Uh, are you familiar with those artists? Like, uh, I mean, it is a whole out of the WPA, you know, like even Benton, I'm sorry, Benton Canada comes from that WPA outlook. You know that the history? No, no, oh. no. And a lot of, it's interesting because a lot of Europeans uh, aren't really familiar with the history. I mean, you know, I find, you know, generally like kind of overlook like um, American realism and its roots uh, and uh, uh, especially, you know, contemporary realism. Uh, and when we say to use realism, you know, you know, I don't, I don't, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what that means, really, but, but the idea that, that, um, that, um, you know, representation has its roots in, in kind of a, a moral premise. Um, and that, uh, which in many ways is, is a very American thing. You know, it, it kind of has, has a sort of pragmatic outlook, but it's also very, um, it, it, it's sort of grounded in sort of a, a, a um, a, um, like a very blunt sort of objective uh, idea that 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 art um, must have a moral premise associated with it. Um, I don't know if you've ever read Tolstoy's "What Is Art," but he, he, he when I was a young kid, I, I, a lot of my teachers were came from this, especially in New York, came from were more social realists. Um, a lot of my influences were 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 came from social realism, uh, and especially here in New York. Uh, and, and so the, the the representation of the figure, uh, uh, even even to this day, I, I think that there's a deep connection to um, the, uh, the 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 idea that the representation of the figure has comes what comes with it is. Um, is you know kind of a um, uh, you know a moral premise you know uh, that 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 there's there needs to be or there needs to be like kind of a moral premise as soon as we do represent the figure a need for that um, I, I I particularly in my from my point of view I I, I I think that there can also be a purely aesthetic one uh, but but I but I do think that um, you know, for Americans, that there is that there is that um, a deep historical connotation still associated with the figure, um, and I and I and I I think that it's actually very very powerful and a very unique point of view, um, and uh, I think that it should be. I, I, actually, I think that we're we're in need of it more now, honestly. You know. Um, I think that having art that carries a, a political message. Um, it's like when I was younger, I, I used to think that that I mean I, I felt very strong about that that art needed to have kind of that morality, more a moral stance was really necessary to art. You know that a humanist idea ideal that, that there was a need for for the um, for standing up for something political. You know. Uh, and now these days, I sort of like think because everything has become 
so politicized and art has become so politicized in many ways, um, I actually kind of find myself going the opposite direction. Um, it's funny because like, I, I always seem to sort of go to the opposite of I mean, it's like, I don't know why, but I just like, don't, I just don't embrace things that way. So, uh, um, uh, uh, so yeah, I think that, um, I think that if, if this artist, young artist feels a certain way and feels that, you know, what, that he want, he wants to express something, you know, about the times in a way that, you know, has, uh, a, a clear sense of justice to it, then or a moral stance, then then they should do that. You know, shouldn't be afraid of that. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid of anything that 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 matters to us. You know, um, if it's uh, you know, it, it, it like I said, it could be anything anything else. But 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 make use of it. You know, it, but don't make it the only thing. But make use of that position, that political stance. And make use of it that in a positive way, you know, that, that feeds your expression. That makes any sense. You know, make it feed your expression, your expressive need. Yeah. Yeah, no, it does. It's very good. Um, William Blake in Chicago says, could you comment on the 1995 Whitney protests? Has your discontent changed? Overall thoughts looking back and where you stand now? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, every, in context, I, I mean, I think I was like um, just about 30 years old when we did that, and uh, a bunch of artists, and it was very different times. We had cell phones. But I think that we probably would have had thousands of people out there <laughs> today. But uh, but back then, I think we had about you know a few hundred <laughs> out, out front, and, and really, it was it was I think it all kind of misconstrued the idea behind it or the sentiment behind it. And I think that we got sort of bombasted by the press and bombasted by by everybody, you know, because um, uh, I think that in many ways the whole idea of it was misunderstood. But it was really at a time when, um, when uh, if you remember, uh, the early 90s, everything was sort of moving towards photography and video. And uh, very little painting was being shown. Uh, very little interest in painting, and it was sort of the, the idea that painting was, you know, obsolete. Or at, um, at that time, uh, you know, criticism used to use the word retrograde. You know, that that not only the, was painting the figure retrograde, but but painting itself became retrograde. You know, yeah. And uh, and so, you know, the, the 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 artists that were part of that weren't just figurative, but were from you know, were were from all. Points of you know, all directions, you know. It was really more about painting, you know, trying to bring painting back or, or show that painting was still alive, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I think that we were misunderstood for that. For that. Yeah. It was also I, I make mention that uh, it, it, we sort of I remember reading an article that Edward Hopper uh, once or uh, had a protest against the Whitney Museum. And and the abstract expressionists uh, at one point um, had a protest in front of the Metropolitan Museum. I don't know if people are aware of that, but New York School painters uh, they they were actually a very united group, even though there was dissension within their group. They very strong united um, group of artists that protested in front of the Metropolitan Museum. Anyway, 
Um, okay, Miguel Espinosa uh, says there are lots of artists whose stance in art is just to be figurative. Maybe you could discuss the figurative artist pocket in comparison to the larger fine art world. I'm sorry, you could re- repeat that again. I'm sorry. Uh, could you discuss the figurative artist pocket in comparison to the larger fine art world? Pocket, the word pocket, period. Um, well, uh, I don't know, in the larger fine art world, too, is a curious statement, um, because I think that there's, um, uh, you know, when you say the larger fine art world, what does that mean? You know, that means that, uh, you know, the work that sell for millions of dollars in the auction houses, the work that are, like, being valuable because what they sell for, that there's a price tag associated to those works. That, you know, and, and that's sort of like where we're at right now, it seems. Um, and so, like, consumerism and, and value is sort of, like, associated, you know, with meaning. Um, and so um, that, that I mean, I, I guess that comes from, in many ways, Andy Warhol, but um, uh, it's something that I, 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 I sort of, like, shy away from and think about in a very different way. I think that 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 painting. Um, there's all kinds of art worlds. You know, there 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 isn't just one art world. There, it's the art world that we see is the art world that speaks the loudest because because the, the way you know money is thrown around. You know, so it, it makes a loud it, it makes a loud voice. Um, but it isn't the only art world. There are many art worlds. Um, there, there are many art worlds because there are many ways artists are supported. Uh, there are many ways, there are many different kinds of artists that are supported in different kinds of ways. Um, and so, you know, there, so, you know, what we see as the current art world is only because that's what is presented to us in a, you know, because it, it, it speaks the loudest, it has the loudest voice. Um, and what was the other part of the question? The, a pocket, a pocket for realism. Uh, uh, well, you know, I, I think that there, there was, I think that a lot of realist painters were more pocketed back in the 80s and, and 90s. I, I think that it's a kind of a, a funny, a funny thing that's happened in more recent times is that all these like, like, like everybody wants to paint the figure, and everybody wants to learn how to paint the figure, and everybody you know, wants it so desperately, but, you know, you, you know, what is that, why? You know, it's kind of a curious thing. It's kind of a curious phenomenon why it's grown the way it's grown. Uh, it, it seems to me that there's, there's more to it than that, that it has more to do with kind of like the feeling that people are, are, um, are kind of, or that young artists especially, um, don't have a chance in the art world. You know, the, the sort of the bigger art world that speaks the loudest. That they, feeling that 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 I'm just going to give up on that and do what I want. You know, and uh, and that uh, and that that choosing to learn how to draw and paint figure is a structure. You know, is something clear. And so people kind of want that clarity. You know, and uh, and it's grown because of that. I think that the whole you know, I mean, there are more and more uh, workshops, 
for people who want to learn how to paint figure. There are more and more uh, schools, and it's infiltrated a lot of colleges now across the country to a certain degree, not to not altogether. But but this sort of, especially in this country, I, I should say, not so much in Europe. Uh, in Europe, it it, it 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 sort of like things sort of like it, it comes to them ten years later. Uh, so so I think that uh, that that. I don't need to say that. Seems <laughs> to happen that way. Uh, but but uh, I think that there's something about uh, you know about sort of the need that young people feel and people feel that they want something tangible and they want something that they can feel that 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 is skillful. You know, they want to learn skills. You know, and 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 I think that for me when I was a young artist. It wasn't, I mean, I did want to learn skills, but for me, it was the craft of painting that I thought was interesting. You know, that I wanted to learn the craft of painting as opposed to the skills that I needed to learn to make a painting, at least when I think back. And uh, um, and so, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting change in the world today. It is, it's, it, the world has become so polarized in, in all kinds of ways, um, it, it's a curious thing. I, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure really what the future will be. You know, with that. You know. Yep. Okay. Um, Colin W. Davis in Canada says, "Hi, Stephen. I was fortunate enough to have seen a live demo by you a few years back. Uh, can you tell me?" how your approach differs between a live demo and a longer in-studio piece? Uh, from a live demo? Well, uh, I, I told this to my students before that doing a demo is kind of like speed chess. You know, uh, you ever watch those guys play chess, you know, within a, with a clock? Yeah. You know? And they, they just make their moves, like, really quickly. And a lot of that is because they're so, you know, they... they they have their depth at, at making decisions that are, um, you know, like very responsive, uh, that are, uh, um, you know, strategic, but but also more responsive than strategic because they're so used to sort of assimilating their strategies. Uh, and so uh, when you, when you do when doing a demo, one sort of has to be aware of the amount of time that there is. Um, you know, if it's three hours or six hours, so that time of, of, of becomes a parameter that one has to work within and uh, so the, uh, the, the this, and, and it's interesting because since I've been doing teaching and doing these demos over the years uh, the uh, the idea is like you know the, the more shortcuts you can get you know like the quicker you can get at get at something uh, the more it's sort of like you're able to sort of build on on that even in other ways. You know, so you, 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 you kind of, it becomes more pragmatic. The process can become more pragmatic uh, because it's like your, 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 cho your choices are very abbreviated. So when I'm doing a demo uh, from life, uh, I'm doing like I'm looking and I'm observing and, and, and I'm making a choice or a selection based on how much time I might have to accomplish what I want to accomplish. And so you have to have sort of the forethought to say, well, I can do this within this amount of time, and I can do this within this amount of time. 
And I could do that within that amount of time. And then, and then wait and see what happens. <laughs> 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 Whereas yeah. if I'm in my studio working on a, a, a painting, uh, I don't have any of that. I can, I, I can, you know, I can make a painting in three years, five years, ten years, twenty years. I, you know, it doesn't matter. There isn't that limitation, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so the medium also might be, you know, different. The, uh, the I might choose a medium that's um, very, uh, you know, uh, uh, that I'm not building up with, or I'm not thinking about layer the layers of of, 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 of painting. Uh, I'm thinking more about kind of like, well, maybe I get this done with in one session, a three-hour painting. It's going to be, you know, two sessions, you know, one day Wednesday, another next week, the other then the Wednesday. You know? Yeah. So I, I have I have some forethought with regard to what my underpainting might look like, and then what when I come back to it, what that will look like. Yeah. 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 So establishing some forethought, you know, um, and and uh, arranging your strategy around that, um, you know, including the limitation and parameter time you have. You know, kind of yeah. allows a person to sort of like work things out. So all the imp- improvisation, you know, works its way into that as well. Yeah. You know, which is, is kind of fun. You know, I mean, like a, you do a demo, like it, you know, for people. It's like you know, my mind is like you know, like I blank everybody out. You know, and then I'm just sort of like in the middle of trying to get this thing done within a very limited time. And um, and so like you know. Somebody asked a question about working wet into wet, you know, working like over. And I remember my, my original, my teacher, Mr. Adkins, one of my, who was a copyist, he, he once said, you know, had, taught me how to glaze, you know, like, well, you know, wait for one layer to dry, then you put another layer down over that, another layer down over that. And, you know, optically, colors fuse. Well, um, he said, you know, but, but you know, you, you can't glaze a color when it's wet. You know, you have to wait for it to dry. And it was like, well, you know, when I'm doing these demos, it's like, well, you know what? Maybe I could. <laughs> so, so just with a, a, you can kind of like by skimming the surface a bit yeah. with the medium and the oil, I'll, I'll kind of get that luminous effect or like a, a glaze uh, by by putting one layer of a wet layer over another. You know, yeah. if, especially if the underlying layer is set up a little bit, you can kind of gently, with a very light touch, um, get some of that luminosity to appear. So, um, so you know, the the the, uh, the the limitations can can sometimes become, you know, an advantage because it, it kind of forces one to sort of, like, use that to develop a more pragmatic approach to something that you might want to take longer on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or time on, yeah. You know. The time, you know, you know, the timing, the time of timing is really kind of like everything, you know, like, like, you know, a lot of times students, like when they're painting, uh, they're going too fast, too quickly, you know, and then uh, and they don't know have time themselves, you know, so it's like timing, being tentative, knowing when to be tentative and when to, you know, you know, be terse in your responses is, is something that um, very often requires some experience. You know, so timing, you know, how to time oneself, um, how to think about, you know, how to see ahead of, ahead of, ahead of things. So it's like I tell my students that everything that we do, you know, is a prelude to what it is that we're about to do. Like playing a game of chess. You know, we put yeah. our, our pawns out first. You don't put your queen out right away. 
you know, you, you move tentatively first, but then when the time is right, you strike with your queen, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, Nishit um, Pandya in Washington, D.C., asks, um, Hi, I'd like to know if you might ever consider doing some online workshops. Uh, well, I'm doing one with the New York Academy coming up. Uh, actually, my first one will be uh, next Wednesday. Uh, it's open to the public. I, I don't know if they sold out or not. Uh, so and it's what, an experience for me giving that a shot. And is that like a Zoom kind of a thing, or like we're doing right now, only multi painting? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where, if somebody, you know, if someone's listening to this and it's, they've missed the date, will it be available? Will they be able to come back to it? I think we'll probably do it again. And, uh, I'll, uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I'll try it, see how it goes, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, there are limitations there. You know, I mean, you can't really see color over the Internet. You know, you can't yeah. see color. You can't see, uh, you can't, I mean, if I, if I, I make a thing, you can't see the right color. Everybody's got a computer calibrated a different way. But not only that, it's, like, completely limited, you know, like, you can't see a painting. So I, you know, I mean, you get an idea maybe of something, but you know, that that maybe people are, you know, I mean, it's the same thing with people drawing from Zoom and all that. You know, it's 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 just a, it's just an indication of something. If you have if you have experience and if you know what you're looking at, then you may be able to sort of like um, intimate what that is. You know. But, but yeah. Okay, we have got through all the questions. So I just got one left, and I ask this to everyone who comes on the podcast. And it's if there's one thing you could pass on to future generations, what would it be? It doesn't have to be about art. Uh, one thing that would pass on to future generations. Um, well, I think that it, it would apply to both art and and everything. And that that to, to me, it is to be aware of others and not to be too concerned with yourself. Uh, to, lose, to lose oneself is to find oneself. And to, to find, to, to, and, and that seems to be sort of the opposite of the way the world seems, seems to be right now. Um, I mean, we're so, so concerned with, you know, getting likes and, you know, on Instagram and being recognized and being seen and, so, so so much obsession with that, with because I, I understand it because I think that you know technology and and the world as it's getting smaller, you know as individuals we're all crying out for attention because of that. Um, but but I think that there's I, I think that that's kind of dangerous. I think that it's more important to be to make make pictures that are not for not for today, but make paintings that are are are, are for the future. You know, make paintings that are going to have significance and meaning, you know, not for the moment, but that will have lasting significance. Yeah. No. And, and that's not an easy thing to accomplish. And I'm not sure I'm doing that. I'm not sure. Nobody's sure of, it, of that. You know, nobody knows. But, but there's, but, but the, at least the effort made. And I think that that's where craftsmanship comes in. It's like, you know, the, the, it's not so much what, nothing is going to last. Everything is impermanent. But the intent behind making something that has lasting meaning, that, that will last and, and stand the test of time, the intent behind that 
is what matters. You know, it's it's the it's the feeling that 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 things ha- that, that things matter, not not necessarily to you or to others in your time, but how things will matter, you know, in the future. Yeah. You know? But you know, like taking care of the environment, you know, you know, all this that's going on. I mean, like it's ridiculous, it's crazy, it's insanity that people aren't aware and concerned with, you know, um, their ancestors and what what you know the ancestry of 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 of, of what um, you know what was before, and and also you know you know the people who are to come. It's like everyone seems cut off from history, from from the past. And the future, and uh, and I think that 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 sort of break, that cutting off, it's just creating the age, an age of darkness. We live in dark ages, even though we have all this information at our hand, you know, our fingertips. You know, it's the dark ages, man. You know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um. Okay. So your website is. StephenSL.com. You're on Instagram. You're on Facebook. Um, it's A F A E L. If you're listening and you want to look it up, I'll put a link in the show notes. Okay, thanks. Um, yeah, it's been great talking to you, Stephen. It's uh, you've got a very uh, unique individual perspective on. Let me see if I'm going to generalize. Yeah, pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, your paintings are great. They're so good, so fantastic on lots of different levels. Yeah, they're just very. I found them very powerful. And um, when you were saying about illustration, you know, grabs you quickly and lets you go just as quickly. Um, yeah, yours. Yeah, you're. You're like I think what separates good art is, is that it, it. You know, some paintings never let you go. I think. And uh, I think yours are in there, in that kind of category of you can keep going back to them again and again. And um, you're, it's interesting to hear, it was interesting to hear you talking about light because um, they really are a kind of a, on a kind of homage to light. There's a quality of that, of your real appreciation for light in your paintings. Um, that That comes across really well. So, yeah, it's been lovely chatting with you, getting to know you a bit better, getting to kind of understand where you're coming from with with your work. And, you. um, and you're coming from Ireland, are you? You live in Ireland? I do, yeah. Yes, yeah. And, and how, how are things there with the, the pandemic? Is it, um, well, we're just coming out of it now. Yeah. Uh, we're just coming out of lockdown. The number of new cases has dropped off. And, yeah, it's we're sort of tentatively <laughs> coming back out into society yeah. and and sort of oh, seeing where, where we're at. Yeah, maybe one day. You've never uh, been to Ireland? It's Ireland. I, 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 I think the Irish people are the most wonderful people in the world. Oh, thank you. Generous and just so unique and, and wonderful. You know, that, you know what I mean? Like the history of... of yes. Uh, of, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, that's I, lovely. That's very nice of you to say that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Uh, but yeah, we'll say goodbye for now. 
All right, thank you. Hope to meet you someday. Yeah, you too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I've never felt this good in my entire life. Make me some spaghetti. Yeah. 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 We are the Argyle Vim. So I can drink. We're better than you thought, but not as good as we think. We are the Argyle Vim. Okay. <laughs> Hi, I'm I am not good with technology. I'm surprised I've gotten this far that I can see and hear you. Well, that's great. Now I can see you and hear you fine. How are you doing? Um, pretty good this morning. How about you? Do you have two of your fabulous paintings behind you? Oh, thanks very much. And I have an empty wall. <laughs> yeah. It's, it happens a lot, yeah. Um, when I'm talking to artists, they don't have anything behind them, and I've got all this stuff behind me. Um, I'm good, but we had a power cut here for about an hour and a half, so I was <laughs> running oh, no. around frantically trying to get everything done. Oh. Anyway, it's all good now. It's all, it's all yeah. lovely. Um, okay, so if you're listening, I am... Chatting to Lee Price in it's in New York, isn't it? You're in New York. Uh, I'm uh, in New York State. It's um, Beacon. It's about an hour oh, yeah. and a half north of New York City. Right. I was talking to somebody else who lives in Beacon. Is it Katie? Um, Katie O'Hagan. Yeah. She lives there. Yeah. Okay. I knew the name was ringing a bell, and that's not a million miles from uh, Vincent Desiderio. He lives up that way too, doesn't he? Um, he lives a little south of me. In Terrytown, I think it is. Yeah, a lot of uh, artists who have gotten out of the city, I guess, live up here. Head that way, yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah, future road trip for me. <laughs> Good. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm talking to Lee Price. Um, now, just to give you a time context, if you're listening, our conversation, uh, if you're listening in the future, we're, we're, today is Wednesday, the 11th of November in 2020. And here in Ireland, we're halfway through six weeks of lockdown again. So everyone is kind of fed up with it. The weather's not been great. And, <laughs> yeah, fed up, I think, is the general yeah. vibe in Ireland with the whole thing. How are things um, where you are, Lee? Um, you know, I, I fed up is, is a good word. Um, you know, uh, I think we were doing really well for a while, and um, things have started, numbers have started going up again, so people are being, uh, are having to be more vigilant. Um, we're hoping that things don't get completely shut down again. Um, right now, people are able to um, at least sit outside at restaurants. Um, that probably isn't going to last very long with the with the cold weather coming. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just um, I think people are having all sorts of um, it's affecting people in different ways. Uh, my industry hasn't <laughs> been terribly affected. Most people who are painters, they they work in isolation anyway. Um, you know, I go from my 
house to my studio that's a freestanding space. I don't have to be in contact with anybody. Um, so, you know, in that way it hasn't affected me. However, I have a mother who's 91 years old and, right. um, you know, she lives about three and a half hours away from me. I'm the only, um, I have two older sisters, but I'm the only person that's close enough that I can drive back and forth. Um, so it's been a lot of, um, driving back and forth to help her with appointments and things like that. Um, my mother-in-law passed away in April and, you know, also going back and forth and thank you, um, dealing with her, um, you know, taking care of her house and selling that and, so it's just it's been issues um, that are just a lot more difficult to um, take care of uh, in this situation. You know, luckily it hasn't affected um, my husband and me. You know, any greater than that. We don't know anyone who's been who's gotten the virus, who's been ill. Um, so we're, we're grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Me neither. I don't know anybody who has it. Yeah. I know, I know anecdotally, you know, like I live in a small kind of town, so it's like, oh yeah, Tom had it, but, but I don't know Tom. So right. <laughs> I don't actually know anybody who had it directly. Right. But that must be hard with your mom. Is, is she living alone or? She does live alone. She's very, um, self-sufficient. She's got a big yard and a big house and, 91, and she still takes care of yeah. the house. And then she was out mowing the lawn yesterday. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, uh, you know, I, I have to remind her, you, you can't go to the grocery store. Like, she, she gets irritated because she can't go out and do these things. And then she just had a cataract operation. And so we've been to a lot of doctor's appointments. And, you know, it's, it's yeah. uh, a lot of stuff like that. Oh, wow. I can only imagine. No, and then I was like, and then I won't even get into the current state of politics here. So, <laughs> um, but, you know, with <laughs> oh, the election, right, yeah. we just had the election. So, that's um, right, yeah. yeah, that's a whole other uh, thing. Yeah, okay. So, some, for someone listening in the future, just, just put a little pin in that. Where is it at now at the election in America? Um, well, the election was this past Tuesday. Um, Biden. Not yesterday, the one before. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's been a, eight days. Um, Biden won the election, um, and we're having a little trouble um, with the current administration believing that. So that's where we are with um, with politics. Yeah, because it's, it's funny you mention because I haven't seen anything about it at all on social media. It's remarkable. Really? <laughs> I'm yeah. really. Is it because you're not looking? No, I'm joking. I'm yeah. joking. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've seen nothing but. Oh my God! I'm an expert oh on the. <laughs> okay. No, I'm an expert on the election, and I've got you know oh, through okay. no just through osmosis. It's just you can't avoid it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Okay, so eight days after the, um, they're still recounting, aren't they? Isn't that what's happening? Or um, you know, 
I I think what's going on right now is they're saying that there's no reason to. However, um, you know, recounts are um, you can recount the you know whatever states you want to recount as long as the numbers are close enough. I haven't been paying close enough attention to find out who's recounting what because I just think it's it's a waste of time. A dozen yeah. eggs are going to be 12 no matter how many times you count them. <laughs> um, so um, that part I'm, you know, I'm just hoping for, um, I think it's too late for a, 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 a gracious transition. I'm just hoping for a, a um, semi peaceful transition, which I'm sure there will be. So yes. it's just it's just gonna be a little delayed. Yeah. Yeah. Is the recounting like um you know, like a process of acceptance, do you think? Like it's like it's something to do rather than face it straight it's... away, let's delay it a little bit and then we can face it. I think it's a tactic of delay. Um, what they think they can get out of a tactic of delay, I, I don't know. Um, so, uh, I just, I'm just relieved. <laughs> I'm currently relieved that it turned out the way it did. I'm um, also a, a bit horrified that it was such a nail-biter that, you know, 70 million people are um, are voting for Trump. Um, I'm, uh, I, I, I think it, it just shows that there are bigger, there, there are huge problems in this country that, that need to be, looked at, obviously. Um, yeah. It's not just 70 million. Uh, I don't want to get too into politics because I could really, I could go on for a couple hours here. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I'm relieved, but I'm also, it's, it's really, um, it's really upsetting to me that this, that, Things are are this uh, um, I, I can't even think of a word for it. Well, from the outside, it looks like it's almost like energetically, it's a, it's not the same, but it's very similar to 2016, where it seems like there's a kind of shock of like, well, this isn't what I thought my country was, and it's like yeah. a version of that again. Yeah, going the other way. Um, yeah, I definitely had that reaction in 2016. It was utter shock. Um, I, you know, and and in a way, that was the one positive part of it because it shouldn't have been shocking. Um, there are a lot of problems here that. Um, I, I guess depending on where you live, you can overlook those problems. 
um, depending on what you're, you know, I live in a community that's very, um, it's kind of odd. I, I live in a, a district that's very Republican. Um, I live in a particular part of that district that's very Democrat. Um, so it's, I, um, yeah, it's been, I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about it. So. Okay. It's been a, it's, well, it's ongoing. It's not, it's not over. It's ongoing. So yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a process. Yeah. Okay. So, um, for someone listening, uh, who hasn't seen your work, your paintings, what, how would you describe them? Um, I would describe them as uh, realism. Um, I paint about women and food. Um, there are all self-portraits. There are overhead paintings, um, like an overhead point of view. Um, uh, they often get described as hyperrealism or photorealism. Uh, that's not really my intention, but um, they definitely get put in that category. Um, they're very colorful paintings. However, I think the subject matter, uh, which doesn't always get um, uh, understood in the way that I um, that it means to me. Um, the subject matter is, is dark. However, the paintings look very colorful and um, almost happy, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so we've had loads of questions come in from the social medias. Um, Bo Bartlett, who's been on the podcast a couple of times, says, Hi, John. Hi, Lee. Okay, beautiful work. Uh, who are your primary influences? I see Alyssa Monks, Jenny Savile, Margaret Boland, Will Cotton, and Vince. I'm guessing you mean Vince and Desiderio there. And yet, because of touch, technique, and subject matter, the paintings are unmistakably yours. Are these artists' influences? Who else? Thanks. Um, well, my biggest influence probably was Bill Bartlett. So, <laughs> he asked that question. Um, yeah, that... That uh, <laughs> yeah, he's hardly going to say me. <laughs> Your biggest yeah, influence, me. Right, me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, some people might, but he's too, right. you know, he's yeah. too uh, polite. <laughs> yes. So yes, he probably was my biggest influence. Um, Alyssa Monks also was a huge influence. Um, I studied with her for years. Um, Vincent Desiderio, huge fan of his work. Jenny Savile, huge fan of her work. Um, I would say those four would be my biggest um, my biggest influences, other than Caravaggio, um, you know, but of yeah. Do you Living artist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any big like art heroes who are not um painters or artists, yeah, per se? Um I have um 
people that aren't painters, um, like Anne Hamilton, um, I'm trying to think they're photographers. I, I, I do tend to like, um, uh, I think of like Andy Goldsworthy, um, uh, what is it, um, Gregory, and I can't think of his name, does these fascinating photographs that he sets up, in, he sets up scenes, I can't think of his name. Um, I think I know the guy, it's almost like a movie set. Yeah. Way he sets them up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know that guy, yeah. Um, uh, I can't, nothing else is coming to me right now, but, um, yeah, I would say those people. Okay. Um, all right. Um, Albert Duplessis. Sorry, Albert, if I got that wrong. In South Africa, says, Hello, John. Best Lee. Uh, it looks like you, he's talking to you now. It looks like you're able to capture any color or texture you desire and turn a painting into a real moment in time. How do you decide what to paint? What is of utmost importance when deciding on a piece? Kind regards, Albert. Um, so. How do I decide what to paint? Is that the main? Um, yeah. What's your most importance when deciding on a piece? So yeah, how do you decide, and then what do you? What's the What's the most important thing okay. in that decision? That's my interpretation. <laughs> okay. So um, I've always been interested in painting women in spaces. Um, food would usually pop up in there, even when I was you know, 30 years ago when I started painting, um, I was interested in environments and putting figures in them, and the figures were usually women. I went to an all-women's college, um, so those were my models, were my friends. Um, that, uh, I did that for quite a while um, until I... Um, kind of came on, came into this uh, series that I, this women in food series that I was doing the self portraits. Um, I think the way I come up with what I'm going to paint is I, I just get an image in my head. I don't always know what that image is, um, but I feel very drawn to turning it into um, a concrete piece of work, a painting. Um, so it's not, it's, I, I don't very often have a topic that I want to talk about and then um, contrive, for lack of a better word, um, contrive a a scene around a thought. I more have an image, and then, um, and then I want to, uh, I want to take that image exactly as I see it in my head, and and make it. Um, so, I, um, so then it's just a process of how do I make that image. I, I see this thing, I want 
I want to make it concrete. How do I go about it? I'll, because of that I'm, I'm painting realistically, I have to gather props or whatever it entails to build this image. Um, and then I can, uh, I photograph it and turn it into a painting. Um, so I hope I'm answering that question. Uh, yeah, so it sounds like um, the whole question of what's of utmost importance, is it doesn't really figure. It's like the whole image thing comes and then what's important maybe reveals itself to you afterwards. Is yeah. that it? Yeah. That, is, that would exactly explain it, yeah. Um, all right. Um, Dave Lebo in California, he's a former podcast guest as well. He says, another wow painting. He's talking about one of the paintings I would have posted on uh, Instagram. Uh, amazing, powerful work. I love that POV point. I think point of view is what he means. But because uh, he's in California, it's all the, <laughs> the um, movie uh, language. Yeah. My question is: Does Lee work out? Does Lee work out the painting's composition and design idea or concept first in small thumbnails or some other way? Um, yes, I get the image in my head, but then I do um, make uh, make small drawings um, just to work out the composition. They're really it's like stick figure drawings. They're very simple little sketches. Um, oftentimes it's more writing notes than drawings. Like I'd write um, that I want the sheet to be striped or that I want, um, you know, particular colors in particular spots. Um, yes, yeah, so I do do small sketches so I work out the composition beforehand. Yeah. Right. When you get the image in your head, have you got like a good memory for that? Like, does that stay pretty yeah. sharp, and then yeah. you're you're sort of making notes that support that? But that image is pretty steady in your head all the time. Yes. Um, it's almost exact, uh, and it's almost. I hate to say this, but oftentimes the act of making the image can get to be a little bit of drudgery, which I wish it wasn't. Um, but, um, yeah, it, I, I would like to, to more have an idea and then work that idea out as I'm making the painting. But um, yeah. it becomes, it can be kind of, um, uh, painstaking to get to and, and becomes a little bit rote um, making you know creating the image as it is yeah. in my head yeah so it sounds like it's more a process of like instead of it being a process of exploration it's a process of expression for you the actual painting yeah 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 you seem to um, completely understand. Is that how you work, or it? Uh, I have in the past, and that's why I was going to ask you the next thing. How, like, with with your finished paintings, how close are they to what you see in your head? 
Um, they're extremely close. They're okay. almost exactly what I see in my head. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. My, with me, it's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's close sometimes if yeah. I'm lucky. But I've been trying to just lately, just say in the last year or two, um, switch more from that kind of expression mm-hmm. to exploration, so that I'm kind of standing back and going, oh, okay, I didn't think it was going to go that way, and. <laughs> right. I would yeah, like to get there. Yeah. That sounds yeah. so that there's more um pleasure in the act of the painting. Yeah. Well for me it started with not having an image in my head to start off with. More uh, it was through talking to Nicholas Zariba, actually, that it got a bit more clear, was mm-hmm. um, just starting with the photo reference of, and then kind of going with, well, there's something about that image. Well, there's something about that thing, whatever it is, a rock or a leaf or a person or whatever, that made me want to take a picture of it. And then my reference is not so much the physical photo, even though I do use that. It's more a reminder of what it was visually that, like, you know, attracted me to it. And then that's okay. the beginning of the painting, rather than, oh, yeah, I've got this idea and I'm going to... Yeah. Right. Sheila Walsh in Ireland, here in Ireland, says, Stunning concepts and so beautifully executed. How long does the composition take to finalise and how long to complete the physical painting? Um... Well, if, if if I take it from the thought in my head to, or the image in my head to the finish, um, I, it's easier for me to say um, once I have the canvas ready, uh, depending on how um, elaborate uh, the painting is, it could take me anywhere from, you know, a month to three months. Um, but then there's a lot of work before that. There's um, work, you know, gathering props and doing – I don't photograph my own work – I mean, my own scenes anymore. I have somebody else do it. But there's the whole process of somebody coming in and photographing the scene and then taking those photographs and turning the photographs into – he'll just give me raw images and um, I manipulate them and – um, you know, going through hundreds of photographs and um, figuring out which ones I want to make into paintings. and um, So that's a whole other process, which might take a month. All right. Um, just going back to what you are saying about how, you know, the picture can be very clear in your head and then the painting part mm-hmm. can reach a point if I'm guessing, if you're like me, it's around the three-quarter way mark, <laughs> where it feels very drudgery-like, and oh, yeah. it's never going to end. Um, did, has it ever kind of occurred to you to go, oh, why don't I just do it as a photograph? Because it's just, then I would be, wouldn't have to do the drudgery bit. Um, well, so my answer doesn't sound like it makes sense, but my answer would be because I'm not a, a photographer, I'm a painter, and I, I do love yeah. paint. Um, I love paint, you know, possibly somewhere along the line I lost that, um, I lost that through, um, 
well, a lot of different things. You lost one paint. Um, it it has it has definitely turned into this is um this is a job. This is right. I think I I think I've been painting this way for so long that it just, it did finally turn into I, I I think I can find a different way of painting. Um, but painting this way, I'm I'm definitely um, done with it at least for a while. I have been, you know, it's been um, 15 years, and a lot of those years were, um, you know, 60 to 80 hours of of painting um, in a very um, kind of a, a very tight, meticulous way, and um, yeah, somewhere along the line, I um, fell out of love with with painting the way that I had been, the way that I was was painting. I think yeah. yes, eventually, um, when I, I'm Right now, I'm kind of on hiatus, but <laughs> then um, I think I will hopefully emerge with a new love of painting um, yeah. in a different way. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever gone through that process of, I've been doing this for so long, and I, I just, I need to... Um not with painting with <laughs> other times okay. but not with painting yeah. um, I, but, but it kind of changes um, for me because I don't think I've I've done a few things where it's similar but not not enough to get bored with a particular thing I do you know I think the, the biggest series of anything I've done is about seven or eight and then I'll switch to okay. something else you know so okay. I haven't I haven't managed to bore myself yet but I would I could see myself getting very bored particularly like I'm I'm lucky in that I don't have too many external influences I don't have galleries going great give us 15 more of them and yeah. they sell like hotcakes I don't have any of that kind of pressure it's just me and what I enjoy doing you know yeah that that is actually the other thing that it it for me it became a problem um, for me it became a job and um, that creates, can create, not always, but it can create problems, I think. For me, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I've heard a few people say that. They've been in the same kind of situation. Um, okay, Alan Star Leon in Indiana. Alan's a longtime friend of the podcast on Patreon. Thanks for the tea, Alan. It's lovely. <laughs> Alan says, I'm excited to hear Lee talk about her process. Does she always use herself as a model? And does she get help with the reference photography? The modernity and clarity of color, pattern, and viewpoint is so intriguing. Look forward to attending a, an in-person workshop someday. Hmm. So you've kind of uh, answered the photography bit. You have somebody helping you. Do you always use yourself as a the model? Um, only a, a few times have I used other people. I, I, painted, I did a painting of my mother once. I did a painting of my friend Lisa once. Um, everything else is me because the paintings are about me. Um, right. So 
um, and like I said, when I was in college, I would use people who were around, but I wasn't really um, uh, it, it wasn't the same subject matter. Um, meaning, I'm painting about myself. I'm painting about a lot of people don't know this, but I'm, the paintings are about um, a compulsive eating disorder that I had. Um, so the paintings are about my eating disorder, um, and so about eating disorders. Um, I use myself because they're literally self-portraits. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it's a testament to how good how good the paintings are. In that, even painters don't know it's you don't know you know they know it's used sometimes but not all the time like i think you know it sort of demonstrates that you've caught lots of different aspects of yourself and your story and your life to such a degree that you know it people are not sure if it's you or other people i think that's brilliant yeah i do often get asked why are they all um Slim white women. Um, it's because people don't realize, well, I just keep paying myself over and over again. So, I mean, so. And there are more questions later on about teaching, but um, Ellen was saying about looking forward to attending an in-person workshop someday. I mean, you can't answer that really, can you? <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Um, next year. Let's just say next yeah, year, hopefully. Hopefully someday I will do workshops again. I thought about doing online workshops, um, and I might try that. Um, I just feel that my workshops, I don't know how well they would translate online. I might try something, but... Um, my workshops are very small, like five or six people at most. And I think part of um, the amazing the amazing part of my workshop is this community that seems to happen with just such a small, intimate group of artists from all over. And I have to admit that I don't like teaching <laughs> I, 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 um, I really don't like teaching but I really miss um, having a situation where I, I, I've met the most amazing people in my workshops um, you know many of which I, I still keep in touch with um, you know some I've gone to visit and where they where they live and um, it's that's the one part of the workshop that I'm really grateful for and I, I guess I, I mentioned that because I, I started doing workshops sort of out of duress like I um, I needed another uh, another form of income and so I thought oh you know people have mentioned it to me um, because I've gone to other workshops and why don't you do this? And I was like, oh, okay, I'll try it. Um, it was really difficult for me, really. I'm, I'm very introverted. I'm, I'm kind of um, 
a bit of a recluse. I so it was really difficult to have people come in. Also, the thought of do I have something to teach people? Um, that was very difficult for me to 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 believe that. Um, but I think. Um, you know, because I have the small space and because I could only have a few people at a time, um, they really did turn into these kind of special uh, um, times where, you know, where it wasn't like me just teaching. It was a small group of artists coming together. So I hope most of my workshop participants feel that way <laughs> so. yeah well it sounds like the the thoughts of teaching are a lot harder than you know once you actually once it begins and you're into it and then you're into yeah. the people and it's yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.